Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, good morning, church. Good afternoon, wherever you are, from wherever you're watching. We have a satellite church. We have people everywhere. So hopefully, uh, you'll have, uh, you had a great experience so far, and hopefully God's going to speak to you uh, today. Like it was mentioned by Chuck, we thank you so much for your generosity as we're uh, facing the summer and as we're still in, uh, not open, as you know. So we thank you for being with us as we go through this. We're gearing ourselves for the fall. We, we expect to see um, all of you come in the fall, so uh, yeah, so we thank you for being there. Like it was mentioned too, when it comes to prayer, um, so we have a prayer meeting this Tuesday. It would be awesome for you to join. I know that we can't be here physically, but there's no distance. I believe that if we put God before us and we seek his face, he's going to show up, so amen. Praise the Lord. So we'll go to his word, and uh, I'll just like to open up in prayer, and we'll go from there. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness and your love for us. You're so amazing, and we want to turn our hearts to you, and we want to take a hold of what you want to say. Have your way in our lives, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Beautiful season, right? Uh, We took a little walk, me and my wife, uh, last evening, and we were cruising in the park there, just walking. It was amazing to meet people from the church and to to have a conversation. I think our plan was to walk for uh, maybe 30 minutes, but I think it it was a walk of an hour and a half with all the stops, so it was kind of cool. God is so good, right? I know that we're going through a rough time, and I don't have to uh, tell you that, you know that, but in all this, God is so amazing. He's so faithful. You hear the birds. I was walking here this morning, and just to look uh, at the season we're in, what a beautiful season. So what we want to do is we want to focus on the Lord. And when it comes to preaching or teaching in this, uh, this summer, like it was mentioned by Pastor Brenton, yes, or not yesterday, yesterday, but last week, we're focusing on the Psalms. What we want to see is we want to, um, we want to see God in the Psalms. And what, what's amazing with the Psalms is that it's when you look at uh, uh, the historical books, it, it talks about history, and we, we see the kings, and we see the prophets. When we look at the gospel, we see the life of Jesus, and, and we look at the epistles of Paul, we learn uh, principles to live by, and, and we should walk by God's word. But when we look to the, the Psalms, it's us, or humanity, or people talking to God, right? There's an association with us. It's sometimes you don't know what to pray. You're going through a hard season. What do we do? We go to the Psalms, right? Because we find words that, uh, that we can't, that doesn't come to our mind maybe, or, or we, we look at words that are relevant to our situation. And I think it's a, it's a great book, actually. It's a, it's a book of songs. What, what Psalms mean is poems that are sang. So it's, so it's songs that were composed by authors, and, and they sing it to us. And, and David wrote 76 of them. Basically, half of all the Psalms were written by David. So so what I'd like to do today, I'd like to go through Psalm 3. So if you have your Bible, 
Go run in your house or uh, take your uh, phone out and take a look at Psalm number three. We'll be focusing on Psalm three. What's, what's, uh, what's special with Psalm three, it's the first one that has a title. And it's the first one that addresses where it says that uh, David wrote uh, that song. So I'm going to say Psalm and I will say song, and sometimes you won't even know the difference because basically it's the same thing, all right? So if you look at Psalm 3, verse 1, I'll read 1 to 8. It says, a psalm of David regarding the time David fled from his son Absalom. It starts in verse 1. Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. Interlude or Selah. Verse 3, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head up or high. Amazing verse. Verse 4, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Interlude or Selah. Verse 5, I lay down and slept. I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. It's, it's kind of a, a devotional morning, right? He writes this after his night. In verse 6, it says, I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. And he says, Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. That's kind of funny, right? And the next part, shatter their teeth. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Like, punch, punch them in the teeth, right? Come on, God. Boom, pa-pow. Right, right, right on the mouth. In verse 8, he says, Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people, interlude Selah. So what, what you see in the Bible that is so unique in the Bible when it comes to different books of history, it's an honest book. It just doesn't talk about the victories. It doesn't just talk about the beautiful things that happens. It, it's raw, right? And you see this in the psalm, how raw it is, where David pours his heart out and he says to God, punch my enemies in, in the mouth or break their teeth. He, he's, he's raw. It's, 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 it's true. It's sincere. And I believe that's how we should pray and that's how we, we, we should see or walk with God, where we're walking with God in a transparent way, if that's a word, where we're not pretending, we're not acting, we're not uh, walking in a religious way or a religious manner, but, but we come before God as we are, and, and we express our frustrations or joy to the Lord, and, and that's what David does. does. And, and when David wrote this psalm, it was not an easy song. Actually, this is a lamentation song. There's psalms of victory, ascending song. There's songs of celebration, but this is not really a song of celebration. It is a is kind of a complaining song. Do you sometimes have a complaining song? Well, it's kind of a complaining song. He, he pours his heart out because he's going through a rough patch. It's a hard season in his life, and we know what that is, eh? But we'll try to unpack that because he went through a hard time. And what was the context of this, of this psalm? Well, the thing is, his son is after him, and his son wants his skin, and that's not a good thing. And the story behind this is that David had a daughter called Tamar, and Tamar was uh, raped by her half-brother, Amon. 
And Absalom was really mad. And after two years of keeping that inside, he went and he killed his half-brother. And because of that, he was, he was expelled of the kingdom. And later on, David, that loved his son, wanted him to come back. Actually, it says that it was his favorite son, and he wanted him to come back. So after three, four years, Absalom comes back to Jerusalem, but he has an agenda. And his agenda is to um, rebel or create a rebellion against his dad and take over the place of his dad. So if you look in the history, history books, you see that um, he sits at the gate of the city and he complains and he talks about in a wrong way all the decisions that his father takes. And he, is an under, he creates an undercurrent. He, 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 uh, he tries his best to turn people against him. Actually, one of the, the most important counselor or, or a helper for David turned, uh, was turned against, turns, turned against David and walked with Absalom. So, so when you look at the context, it's like I said, it's, it's not a, a glorious song. It's not a, a song of celebration like Psalm 150, right? But it's a song of lamentation. And it's, it's a song that, that expresses rawness and, 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 and the real thing, like, he, it, like I said, it's, it's not approaching God uh, phony or thinking. You know, sometimes, I, I don't know how you, 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 you saw approaching God in your old, like for myself, when I grew up, approaching God was you got to dress yourself in a proper way. You, you have to be reverent, and you got to be respectful. And it's so true that God is worth a respect, right? And we're called to come with the fear of the Lord, absolutely. But, but, but there was no heart involved. Like, you, oh, you can't say this to God. Or, oh, you, you. No, God wants us to be real. And, and that's what you see in this song that David wrote. It's a real song. It comes from within. It comes from his guts. It comes from his heart. And there's some emotions involved. And, and, and it, it involves him. And, and I believe that's so important, right? So, so we want to see that. And, and the context is, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. So the theme of the song is, is what do you do when things go south? What do you do when you're under pressure? Like, it's easy to say, let go, let God. Nice saying. Come on, someone brings you something in, of life, how life is difficult, and we have this saying, well, you know, let go, let God. Woohoo! Chop, chop. You know, move on. It's not that easy. Would you agree with me? It's not that easy to let go and let God. It's hard to let go, right? <laughs> it's hard to let go. Like, you gotta remove these fingers. It's a hard thing to let go. So easy to say, but so hard to live. But we're called really to do that. And this psalm teaches us and shows us, us, so, shows us what to do, how to do it. Um, I look at our journey as a family. I haven't been preaching for the last month, basically, because we were hit by COVID, and we were hit significantly hard, not to the point of other people that are, were hospitalized, but enough to rock us good. Michelin is still struggling with her breathing, and uh, and in uh, that process, um, I've uh, developed a fungal infection and I had sores in my mouth and my throat, probably in my stomach. I had a fungal infection and, and my whole body was filled with fungal, fungus and I could not eat or drink. I lost a few pounds, so that's a good part. 
But besides that, my mouth was on fire. Even drinking water was, was hard. So it was a, nothing compared with David, but I'm saying it, it, was, it was hard. I'm not fully still recovered, and it takes a while to have my mouth totally healed up, but it was a hard go. And, and, I, and I thought about what the church is going through, what our community is going through, how people are polarized, right? And, and uh, vaccine, no vaccine, restriction, no restriction. Then you see uh, these um, shop meetings or churches that are popping up and, and I'm at home and I'm just caught with anxiety and I, I don't know what the future holds. I, I'm a little afraid of what's coming. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you're doing. I don't know where you are. And it brings a sense of anxiety and fear of, of the unknown. So, so, you know, and I know that you have your story too. It, it's been hard to pastor in this season because you're, you're caught in between, right? You want to, you, you want to help people out and you, you want to try to see the people come together. And, and, it, and, it, like, and we have our convictions and we have our, our, our stuff. And, and so it hasn't been easy. And this is where Psalm 3 really spoke to me in this time. And I want to share to you um, from my heart to yours. Uh, I, I like to preach in this way where I don't want to give you a sermon. I want to share to you what's real in my heart, what I've, what I've been growing in. And if I'm honest with you, when I was hit in all this, it was hard to let go. It was hard to give it to God. It was hard to pray. I had kind of a, a, a frustration inside. I was saying, it's not supposed to be like this, God. It's not supposed to, we're not supposed to see this tension or, or, or this, this fraction or, or this disunity, God. And I was kind of, ah, it was kind of eating me in the inside until I did what I was supposed to do. It's to go to God. It's to go to God. And, and, and so David was going through a crazy time. Put yourself in his shoes. It's something to have King Saul after him wanting to kill him. It's awful when someone is that jealous and that's someone that doesn't want to give room to God's will. It's awful to see. But it's another level. We like to say that to another level. Another level when your son wants your skin. When your son hunts you down. When your son worked everything in the back to put you in a place where he would be able to take your life. What happened is David had to run away from Jerusalem and he was zigzagging through Israel because there was this army that was following him and who was ahead was his son. His son took over the palace, wives and concubines and, and took over everything and, and tried to convince the people that David was a goner. It was time for him to, to be a king. So put yourself in his sandals for a moment. It must have been horrible. Like, like I said, to have Saul is bad, but to have your own son that you love, that, that killed another son of yours, and you forgave him, and you brought him back in the family, all this for him to set you up and to take your life, not a good situation, right? Not a good situation. And you find, if you look at verse 1, it says, Oh, Lord. I have so many enemies, so many are against me, so many are saying, God will never rescue him. First word is, oh Lord. That's what he, that's what he does. 
He goes before God and he says, oh Lord. And the word Lord here is not a kind of a distant Lord. It's the word Yahweh. It's the name Yahweh. The, the God, the name of the covenant. And, 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 and David understands the name of the covenant. He, he gets that very well. He knows Yahweh. It's like us when we approach God as Father. It's more than God. It's Father. Changes everything, right? To approach God could be non-personal, could be distant, could be you're fearful, you're fearful of God. But when you see God as Father, it changes everything. When I think about God as Father, I run to Him. I see His love for me, His affection for me, he wants the best for me. It changes everything. And calling, calling Him Abba, Papa, or Daddy, it changes everything. So when David approaches God, he approaches the God of the covenant, Yahweh, the one that gave him victory over Goliath, remembers the God that made a way for the Israelites through the wilderness. So, so he goes to the one that he knows, Yahweh, the I am. That's what it means. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So he goes to God. He goes to God. In this situation, his son wants his skin. And he goes to God, and he writes a song in a crisis. Who does that? Who does that? Picture yourself being hunted by your son and your best man and the people that you serve with all your heart. They're turning against you and they want to kill you and you take a step aside at night and you start to write a song. That would not be my first thought of to do, I've got to tell you. I would think I would, I would be mad, I would be upset, I would nurture this, I would say, hey, have I not been the one that brought the 12 tribes of Israel together? Did I, did I not extend the, the, the territory for the Israelite? Did I not, did I not bring the Ark of the Covenant to, to, to Jerusalem? Did I not build a, an altar to the Lord where uh, we have this worship and praise where we came to adore God? Look what I've done, God. No, what he does, he, co he comes before God and he pours his heart. He pours his heart to God. It's so essential to do that. It might sound basic, but I'm going I'm to step on your toes this, this morning or this afternoon because the problem is we're not doing it. The problem is, be, is that we don't go to God. We're not. We focus on, on a horizontal relationship and we talk, but we don't connect. And because of that, we walk in the flesh. And the Bible says that unless the seed dies, it will not produce a fruit. I believe the season we're, that we're in today, it's a season of death. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but God wants me dead too. And the only way that I can come alive is when I turn to him. There's no other way, guys. There's no other solution for our situation than to pray. We, we, we got to turn to him. And that's what David does. He turns to, 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 to God. And it was not easy. Like I said, even people had curse on him. Uh, he will never get out. This is done. So imagine if people will see that of you. You know where it says, so many are saying God will never rescue him. And then there's this word, Selah. Selah is not there by accident. Selah talks about a pause. Some commentators will say it's a pause for the musicians, just to put your finger back where they should put them, right? Or for singers to take a breath. 
Others will say, scholars will say, it means, Selah means to pause, reflect, and lift up. To pause, reflect on God, reflect on what you've said, reflect on what you sang, and praise God. There needs, we need Selahs in our lives. We need to experience Selah. And it's funny, in this short psalm, there's three Selahs. Three of them. I, I, can't, I get that from David. When you think about your son that wants to kill you, your best man wants to kill you, the people that you serve with all your heart wants to kill you, you need Selah. You need to stop. You need to reflect. You need to focus on God. You, you need to experience his presence. And you need to worship him. And we'll talk more about that for sure in the Psalms this summer where your focus of attention is on him because there's so much distraction. Full pin. Oh, oh, oh. And where is God? Where is God, right? And what, what, we, what we see here is we see David turning to God. It, it says in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. We know that verse, but that's what we need to do. It is necessary for us to understand and remember the power we find in prayer. It is necessary for us to understand and remember the power we find in prayer. It's necessary for us to understand the power we find in prayer. It's necessary. Uh, you look at Revelation chapter 8. The Bible says that there's a, a bowl in heaven that when it's filled by the prayers of the saints, it is poured down. It comes down like, like lightning and thunder. And it, it talks about God when the, the vase is full of the prayer of the saints. God pours answers and responds to prayers. So powerful. How if I want to see change, people, if I want to see real change, it's going to happen in prayer. There's no other way. Uh, people might say, well, there's a time to pray and there's a time to act. But if you act, not, because, not based on prayer, it's not going to be good. When you act, it has to be done in prayer. It has to be initiated by God. It's because you've been with God. It's because you've connected with God. If that's not there, it's not going to happen. And I, sometimes I hear people say, I've prayed. Cool. What does that mean, I've prayed? Is it just falling asleep as you're falling asleep? Or at the table when you bless your food? What, what does it mean you've prayed? Are you, are you willing to fast? Are you willing to, to persevere? Are you willing to be consistent and, and, and weep and cry and, 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 and pour your heart to God? You know, I, I think it's so essential for us to understand that. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But I, what I want you to realize is that prayer changes everything. I, we have to see it now like never before. Prayer changes everything. Sit to someone in your house. Prayer changes everything. It changes everything. Solomon wants God to move in Israel. He wants God to come and dwell in Israel. And that's, that's the, the goal. Of, uh, that was his goal. That was his desire. And he built this awesome tabernacle, temple, 
And then we see 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 that you're familiar with. It says, if my people were called by my name, will humble themselves, humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Wow. So what's the condition of healing my land? Physically, emotionally, politically? How can I see my land being healed? By how, according to this, and according to the example of David, it's through prayer. When we humble ourselves, where we seek after him. I'm not called to spend more time on my problem and the situation and the challenges that I face than I spend time with God. For example, if I watch more CNN, if I watch more Fox, if I, if I watch more Global, if I watch more things on YouTube and read articles here and left than I spend with God, you will be in trouble. You will be in trouble. We need to go to God. We need to realize that's our calling. The first thing David did when he was running away from his son that want, wanted to kill him was he said, oh God, nothing changes until I go to God because this is where God steps in. Uh, John Piper wrote a book, well, he wrote a book on, on um, don't waste your life. And he's talking about, you know, you have one life, one shot, live it accordingly. And, and in, in his journey, he was hit by cancer. And he writes this article, don't waste your cancer. What, what, he, what he writes on, he, he, he says that um, he was caught up on cancer on, on the web and finding, being consumed with the, with the cancer until God stopped him. He says, you're spending way too much time there and not enough time here. Not enough time in me, not enough time. So, so realize that your cancer is called to bring, me cl bring you closer to me, not for you to go on your own and do your own stuff and walk away from me. And I think it's the same thing for us right now in this season that we're in. We're not called to waste it. We're called to go to God, right? And it's important for us to see that need. And, and like I said, what does it mean for us to pray? Well, one of the examples that I, that I was challenging, challenged with, it's the story of Nehemiah. He's a care bearer, meaning that he's pouring uh, wine or he's the food taster. Who wants to be a food taster of the king? <laughs> it's, you know, uh, you don't have a great future, I think, when, if you have that job. Anyway, so he brings wine or he brings drink and he tastes the, he tastes the food of the king. And so that was his job. But God set him up for that. God always sets things up. Did you know that? God is a God that set things up. So I want to align myself with his will because God is setting things up. So I want to be there. And how am I there is when I'm in relationship with him and when prayer is part of my life. But going back to Nehemiah, he, hear this, he, hear, he hears this message that Jerusalem is being attacked by the people around and, and he's, the walls are down, people are coming back to, to the promised land and he's dismayed, he's broken and he cries for four months. Not a minute, not an hour, four months. Fasted, prayed, wept, poured his heart, was consumed by it. 
four months, consumed by it, interceding, going before God. And one day after four months, as he was bringing whatever to the king, the king saw his sadness, could see on his countenance that was something wrong. You know, because it was in his bones. It was not just a moment. It was not just a prayer. It was a thing he carried before the Lord. And God set him up. But I think what set him up was his dependency and his going to God and, and making God his solution. And God, what God did is phenomenal. The king dispatched an army and resources to see the wall of another nation be built. It's amazing. Listen, God sets you up when you come to him. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical, but the things of the kingdom are not logical. It's not a physical kingdom we're involved in. It's a spiritual one. So how do we see a breakthrough? Is when we go to God, when we seek his face, when we turn to him. This is where he arises and he does because when we don't go to God, what we're saying is, God, I got it. I think I know, but I don't know. I need him. So, 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 so we, see, we see Nehemiah do that. We see David going to God. What happens when we pray? Look at verse 3. It says, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head up or high. I cried to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. Take a pause. You reflect on what you read, what you sang, and you worship the Lord. But, but I like the first part of verse 3 here, but you, God. He rediscovered his God. Well, put yourself again, like I said earlier, in his sandals. Your son wants your skin. But he, but he had to stop. And he had to focus on God. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to rediscover God. When things are rough, when things are challenging, we got to say, hey, but when we go before him, this is where we discover who he is. And this is where he found security. He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. Protecting, it's an it's a, it's a army term. And David was a soldier. So he, so he says, you're a shield. Arrow comes, I'm being protected. You're my glory. You're the one that fulfills me. It's not the throne in Rome, not in Rome, in Jerusalem. It's you, the one who holds my head high. You know who does that? God does that. God does that. He's the one that raises my chin up. He's the one that fulfills me. He's my glory. He's the one that makes a way for me. It's him that does that. No one else. Nothing else. Not a political figure. Not a man. Not a book. Not a scientist. It's God that does that. You see? He's my shield. Is he your shield? Is he your glory? Is he the one that raises your head? But he wants to be that. And that's what David experienced being hunted down by his son. How much he needed it. And it made a big difference, right? So he rediscovered God. I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, you're maybe filled with self-pity and, and you may be filled with justified resentment. You may be filled with anger towards someone. But then you sit down and pray and your heart gets reoriented, reoriented sorry, in God's presence. 
The pettiness of your feelings and yourself justified excuses all go away because you prayed, you prayed, you prayed. Everything changes when we pray. We know about it, but we don't practice it. You know, I can say this because we can see it. The fruits are there. So, so what happened is that, C.S. Lewis says, when you go before God, what happened is that it, it washes you. It changes you. And also what happened is that, you look in the text I've just read, he says, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. Faith arises in him. And then you have Selah. Ah, you reflect and you see that God is there. Like, we can see hope and expectation arise, whatever the circumstances, because God is there. God is there. That's what really matters, Right? That's the foundation of our faith is Christ. And, and Christ is risen, sitting, sitting at the right time, right side of the Father, interceding in our favor. So, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to walk in victory. I think it's amazing, right? What happens when I pray? I will experience rest. Verse 5, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who, surrounds me, or who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. I like to read that. It's so funny. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from the Lord. Woo-hoo, O Lord, may you bless your people. Selah. You know, put his pen on the side and was just filled with joy. He was able to sleep because he depended on God. Like, sleeping shows our dependence, right? In our, in our limitation. The richest man on the planet has to sleep too, as much as you. It levels the ground. We all need to sleep. And sleep shows our limitation. So when you sleep, you're just saying that, I just can't. I can't do it. And it's okay to say you can't do it. It's okay to admit that you're not able to save your marriage that you're not able to save your family or you're not able to, to do what you would like to see done, it's okay. But at the same time, there's but God, right? God is. So that's why you sleep, because you know that God, like, this is why he was able to sleep, because he knew that God was his refuge or his, his shield. He knew that God was his glory. He knew he was not alone, so he was able to rest because it's not in my hands, but that was achieved because of his relationship and his connection with God. And, and I want to live like this. I want to know that, right? I want to experience that. See, he wasn't afraid because he went to God. He wasn't panicking inside because he went to God. Also, he didn't have to lash out at people because he went to God. He didn't have to lash out on social media because he went to God. I, I remember being a young pastor 25 years old, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, there was a hydro dam that was connected to the mill that was not too far away from my house. And I remember taking my bike, it was maybe three kilometers to go down the dam uh, where uh, you, see, you saw the turbines and beautiful place. But what was amazing in that place was it was so loud, it was unreal. Beautiful, but loud. So I remember being there and I could yell my heart out. Ah! And someone standing here 
would never have a clue if I've ever opened my mouth. Amazing place to pray. Because, yeah, God. And I remember reading this principle of David about being raw. And I remember just, and I would lose my voice, come back home, and have no voice. But something happened there. Something happened. I did not have to focus on the, 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 the horizontal because I've met him in the horizontal. I, 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 it was okay. I, I was able to love again. I was able to look at people with Christ's eyes even though I was, I, I was hurt and I didn't know what to do. And, but something happened when I poured my heart to God. And, and, and God wants us to do that. And that's what David says, God, punch my enemy in the mouth. And in other psalms, it's way more than that, way more graphic than that. Cut their head, all of that. It goes before God. Like, it's kind of weird that I could say that to you. It's okay to do that to God, with God. Not to God, but with God. Got to make sure. It's okay to do that with God, where God wants you to be raw with him. God wants you to go in your car, go for a walk, and just vent it out to him. And he's going to take it, and he's going to fill you, and you will finish your uh, venting with praise. That's what he does here. He finishes with praise. So you, you want to do that. It, it helps us not to take matter into our own hands. So when you go to God, you're not as quick to go to man. You, you, don't, you don't have to, to vent as much because you did go to God. And then you have the word Selah again. Pause. <laughs> Refocus and raise them up, right? I think it's so cool. And, and the last point here is that it changes your focus. Like he says in verse 8, victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. Honestly, in not being close to God, let's say, I would never think about people when my son wants to, hit, wants to kill me, right? Who would think about the people and the people that are, might be on his side after you hear John and Peter and James giving you a report of who is against you? Do you want to pray for the people? No, in the flesh. But when you met God and you know that victory is at hand and God will make a way that God is the one that vindicate, vindicates, he's the one that will intervene, he has the last word over all, then I'm able to change my focus and say, bless the people, God, you're victorious. Hey, I can face this day. I can move on. I can, I can do the will of God because I've been with him. Like I said, guys, with respect, Everything changes because we pray. Everything changes. Think about the changes you want to see in your marriage. Think about the, the changes you want to see around you. That was God, Rama for me, Claude, when I was sick and I couldn't talk. Maybe it was a good thing. Talk less. It's me. I'll make a way. I remember talking with John Friesen, and he's here right now, and I, 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 was, I remember coming in his office, I was totally overwhelmed, and I lost my focus on him. I was caught up, you know, and I needed to come to a point where, yeah, God, you have a way, you have a plan, and I have to come to you 
like I said, let go, let God. It's easy to say, but it's a different, different ball when your son wants your skin and when things go, go south. But that's our calling, and there's fruits of it. It's not going to be easy what I'm telling you. It's not an easy thing, but it has to happen. If we want to see God step in, if we want to see the will of God and to see God move like he does so well, we need to cooperate with them. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.